And we're going to be reading verse 14. The Lord is coming back, but when he comes, he's not coming by himself, which is good news. Uh, when he comes, he's going to come with countless numbers of angels. But more than that, uh, there'll be many of the saints that will be coming with him. So uh, when you hear the word saint, what do you think of? Think of some super spiritual person or somebody who's extra committed or done great things. You know, that's, that's how we sometimes think about St. Francis or St. Teresa or some of the other saints, St. George. Um, but look around you. Look around you this morning. Um, these are the saints. You are the saints. Uh, in the New Testament, the saints were members of the body of Christ. All of them. All of those who know the Lord. Um, we're saints because of what Christ has done for us and what he continues to work in us and through us. And so it's an identity that is given to us because of him, because of his grace, his mercy. When he comes back, um, he's going to come in a very different way than when he came initially. When Jesus came the first time, as you all know, he came in vulnerability, in weakness, and he came um, as someone that nobody knew. Came incognito. Um, he was just a little baby born in a little village outside of Jerusalem. And... Uh,
ten nations gathered together and all of their might and all of their weaponry and all of their authority and all of their power and all the resources at their disposal and they're gathering together to make war on who? The Lamb of God. And the Lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of lords and he's the King of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And so when he comes, he's going to bring a large number of people with him. You may be one of them. So who is it that's coming with him? He's told us. These that are with him are called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. Now, if you're here this morning and you love the Lord and he lives in your heart, it's because you've been called and you are chosen. Remember, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I want you to be aware of something. You did not choose me. I chose you. So in many of those people, there was a hunger and expectation for God. There was a desire to know God in a deeper and closer and more intimate way. There was a, a desire for him to be more an active part of their life, and they wanted to participate in what God himself was doing and to be a part of that. But that longing was placed there by God. God puts that within our heart. When he created us, he created us in his image and likeness, and there is that longing inside the worst person you can ever imagine. Deep, buried down deep, there is that desire to know God. They deny it, they cover it up, they um, try to fill their life with other things so they don't have to acknowledge it, but it's there. It's there. And that's why they cannot find peace anywhere else because God's the only one that can fill that. So God has called us and he's chosen us. So the question remains, are we faithful? That's the question. So I want us to look at these three criteria that he's given here. Called means that you've been invited. Um, it's an invitation. Invitation from God. It's not like, Lord, I would like to attend. It's, will you come? And so it's God himself who calls us into fellowship with him. In Mark chapter 3, uh, he's talking about the initial 12 disciples. And there were a lot of people beginning to, to follow Jesus, to walk with him to follow him about because of the things that he were doing, he was doing. Sometimes it was people who had great needs, people that had physical problems or mental problems or emotional problems or people that were struggling with their identity or who they were or what they were there for, people that had tremendous needs. But there are also people who were drawn because of the teachings, because he had the words that no one else could speak. Um, later on, toward the end of his ministry, he was in Jerusalem uh, teaching in the temple and the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees got together and they sent the temple guards to arrest Jesus. They said, we want you to go out there and arrest him. And those guys went out there to arrest Jesus and uh, they heard him speak. And so the officers, the soldiers, they went back and scribes and Pharisees, high priests sitting there, <laughs> where is he? Why didn't you bring him? 
And the soldier said, no one has ever spoken like this man. And so some people were coming because those words, the word that creates life, that creates light out of darkness, that creates something out of nothing, that creative, powerful word of God had spoken in their hearts and created a longing to know God. And so those people were there. Some were curious, and they just came out of curiosity to see what all the hoopla was, uh, what was going on. And then some came to find something to criticize. They were looking for an argument, trying to discredit because they felt Jesus was a, his presence was a threat to them. So you got all these people. And in Mark chapter 3, he says, starting with verse 13, says, and he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain and he called to them those whom he desired. Those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12, and it lists their names. That, and these 12, whom he also named apostles, he called them so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And then it lists their names. And so um, it's interesting, these 12, and even that, even those 12 was a mixed group. You had faithful men, men who wanted to follow him. All of them did at that point. But it also included Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And oftentimes, the biggest difficulties within Christianity is not the people outside, it's some of those who are inside. And so these who are coming back with Jesus, these are the ones who are called. These are the ones who have been invited. Um, as we read through the letters of Paul, oftentimes, and Jude and some of the other um, New Testament writers, we find them addressing their letters to the saints. So people who have been called by God. Uh, I'll give you just a couple of quick examples here. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's writing and he continues on, and he says that through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So you, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And he continues on. Um, we can look at Jude chapter 1. He's writing 
to a, a little different group of people. Jude, this is one of Jesus' brothers, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So you get the picture. And we could do this many times as we go through the scriptures. So these are the ones that Jesus called. Um, those were the ones that he desired. And they came to him so that they could be with him and then that they could be his co-laborers, that he could send them forth. Now the problem is, not everyone who's called answers. In Matthew chapter 22, you have this parable of the wedding feast. And he says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Can you imagine that? I mean, this is not just Joe Blow down at the end of the street. This is the king. The king is having a royal wedding for the prince. And you are the one invited. I mean, you got the engraved invitation and everything, you know. And I don't want to go. I'm not going. And so he sent, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, look, I've got the dinner banquet ready, ox and fat calves, come to the wedding feast. They paid no attention. And one off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So, not only the insult of turning your back on the king, and it's not something that he's asking of them to do, right? It's not a requirement on them. He's not asking them to do anything. Just come and celebrate. Come to the feast. Come and, and be joyful. And celebrate because of this great event that we are wanting to make known to people. Not only that, they just went on their own, minding their own business and paid no attention to the king. And more than that, they became insolent and aggressive and rebellious. And they even killed some of the ones that he sent. To <laughs> the guy's killed because he's given them an invitation to come to a feast. Can you imagine that? So the king was angry, sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And he said, look, the wedding's still here. We need people to come. And so they went and they got others. But the, long, the end of the story is this. They compelled people to come, invited them to come, and they came for the celebration. But that doesn't mean that we can just come anytime, any way, anyhow that we feel. This is the king. And you are meant to be respectful and courteous. And this guy shows up. He's not even dressed for the wedding. And the king stops. And he says to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? 
Because those garments were provided. They were provided. So not only did you get to come to a great national celebration with all the food and all the pomp and circumstances and all the honor and glory that's part of it, you get a new suit of clothes to come. And this is what all these people were rejecting. And so this guy comes, but he doesn't bother. And the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now you remember that um, the criteria of those who are with Jesus when he comes back, they're called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. This next verse in Matthew 22 brings these first two together. It's the same words that's used in Revelation chapter 17. And the summary of this is, for many are called, but few are chosen. It's not enough to be called. There were some people that were called by Jesus that turned their back and walked away. Can you imagine that? Jesus himself? And he says, come, you can follow me, be, be one of the twelve here. Be the inner circle. Come and follow me, be my disciple. No thanks. Rich young ruler did it, didn't he? Yeah, what do I do to need to be saved? You know, well, this is what the, the churches say. Well, I've done all that. Well, you've got things that you love more than God. And you need to let those go. And that's really where the rub comes, isn't it? For all of us. What is it that we value and treasure more than our relationship with God? All we have to do is look at our lives and we can see. Uh, people around us know. If we don't. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now these twelve were men that were chosen by Jesus, hand-picked. And again, even then it was a mixed group. So they were chosen. Um, this word chosen, another synonym for that would be elect. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes this as a general epistle to the church. And this is what he says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. You're not only called... You're the elect, chosen ones. And what are we chosen for? For privilege, so we can sit back and enjoy all the blessings of God while everybody else just has to make do with, with what they can do? No. Elect for sanctification, cleansing, purification, setting aside for the Holy Spirit's use, for obedience to Jesus Christ. It's not a position of privilege. It's a, a position of responsibility that he's that he's called us to and he's chosen us for called chosen for obedience and for sprinkling with his blood that's the cleansing that's the purification 
That's the equipping us for the obedience. And then we get all the grace and all the peace multiplied, not added, multiplied exponentially. Isaiah chapter 43, not just a New Testament thing. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 20 and 21, God says, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink, to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. And so God gives provision for them. Um, now notice what he's providing. It's not a luxury thing. And where are they? Uh, they're in the wilderness. That's where they are. And in that wilderness, he's giving them water to drink. He's supplying our needs. Nothing about greeds, nothing about comfort, nothing about luxury, that you're in the desert and you're going to die without water, and God provides it. People that God formed for himself that they might declare God's praise. And then in Romans chapter 16, Verse 13, Paul says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. And so he says, you know, there's Rufus there. He's been chosen by God for this particular time and this particular place. So if the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of your heart and life, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And if he's in our hearts and in our lives, it's because he has called us, and by his grace, we have responded, which means you're chosen. Now, called and chosen, but then these guys who are following Jesus in, Roman, in uh, Revelation 17, these are faithful people. So what does a faithful person look like? This word faithful is used eight times in the book of Revelation. It's sometimes talking about God, and mostly, and sometimes talking about people. In 1 Timothy, when Paul's writing to this young pastor, it's used 11 times. It's um, a word that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I've been talking a lot about this with different groups because it's important. And he's writing to the church at Corinth because there were factions and divisions within the church. There was strife and competition and judging of one another within the church. And he said, as Christians, that ought not to be taken place. There ought to be fellowship and harmony and peace. And it was um, around the different leaders, the different uh, people in positions of authority. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 
to clarify a little bit. And he says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they may be found faithful. It's the same word that is used by John in Revelation 17. Called, chosen, faithful. So these are people who are stewards. These are the ones who are with Christ, like the first disciples that Jesus called to be with him and to participate in what he was doing. You've got the same kind of people in Revelation 17. Called, chosen, faithful people. Um, that means one who is... Uh, an assistant or a helper of Christ. Can you imagine that being considered as a helper to God? Um, we think in the Old Testament about a person like Joseph who was in Egypt, uh, was sold as a slave, and as a slave he became a steward in Potiphar's house. He took over and ran everything for Potiphar. He was put in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and in prison, they put him as a position of stewardship. He managed and ran everything that took place in the prison. And then God lifted him up and made him the second person, second only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt, and he was a steward there as well. You can think of also of Daniel in Babylon, or also he was, had the same function in Persia. These were very strong, powerful, administrative people. And so a steward is a manager. It can be domestic concerns, supervising the household, supervising servants or employees, collecting rents or income, they keep accounts, they do all kinds of things. It's an administrator, supervisor, or manager. And Paul says, we are assistants to Christ, stewards, managers of the mysteries of God. That's why we need to be faithful, because God is entrusted those things of the Spirit to you and to me. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And it's called the gifts of the Spirit. These are given to us not because we've earned them or we deserve them, but as a trust by God. This gift is yours. You are to manage it and to use it for the glory of God. Whatever it is. Whatever employee and whatever talents and gifting God has given us, and he's given all of us some, then we become accountable and responsible for growing and developing those gifts. You remember in the parable of the talents, one guy had five, one had two, one had one. The first two were commended because they took what had been entrusted to them. It grew, it developed, it prospered. They brought more into the kingdom. Using the gifts of God creatively, and responsibly and accountably. And when it came time to give an account, they said, okay, uh, not a problem. Here we are. This is what you've entrusted to me. This is how I used it. This is what I've brought to you. And they were commended. They were blessed. Enter into the joy of your master. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. So you get a promotion with greater responsibility and more accountability and greater blessings. 
Who was the one that was condemned? He had a talent. God gave it to him. It wasn't his. It was entrusted to him by God. What did he do? He buried it. And so he was condemned, basically, because he did absolutely nothing. So those who come with Jesus are called, they're chosen, these are faithful people. And so that's what God has in store for us. He wants us to be accountable, faithful people, people that are walking with him, and people that serve him. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter's in complete agreement with Paul about stewards of the mysteries of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So each one of us, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. So we know this morning that we've been called. We know that by the grace of God, we've been chosen. Are we faithful? Are we good stewards of what God has entrusted to us, using it for His glory? Um, developing it within ourselves, producing that fruit within us that then begins to feed and include other people. So the Lord is coming back. And uh, we don't know when, but he's not going to come by himself. Um, part of his grace is he wants to include us in everything, everything he does. That's what, the, that's what God does. He creates us to be inclusive, included in everything that he does. He wants us to be participators, actively involved, uh, working along with him, receiving his grace and becoming conduits of his mercy and grace. So he's called us to this. He's chosen us for this. And he's looking for us to be faithful in our obedience to him. And even that is a gift from God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that out of your great love for us and your unspeakable mercy and grace that reaches down to people like us, you've called us, called us to know you, called us to walk with you, called us to receive life that never ends, and called us to be filled with your presence and grace. Thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us chosen us to be instruments of your grace and mercy to others so that we can be participators and that through you, you speak out through us words of reconciliation and peace, words of forgiveness, words of assurance and hope. 
Lord, help us to be faithful to what you've called us to. And we know, Lord, that that faithfulness comes from you. And we just pray, Lord, that you would keep your hand upon us, called chosen faithful people, that we might be the people that come with you. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us to spend time in your presence, to know you, to be called your friends, and to have an insight as to what you're doing and what it all means. Thank you, Lord, that we have the fellowship of working with you. In Jesus' name, amen.